Hello, everyone. Uh, B4M Bridges for Mission welcomes you. We are here with the Reeds. Uh, they are our global servants from international ministries, but I will let them introduce themselves a little bit. Um, I'm Reverend Sandra Dorsonville, one of the creative minds behind this podcast, and I'm here with Minister Nicole Cox. So fasten your seatbelt, grab your cup of tea, cup of coffee, and join us for this ride. We are so delighted that you are tuning in from Nepal, from the Philippines, from Serbia, wherever you're from. We are grateful. So thank you, everyone. I think, Nicole, this one, you start. I do, which is strange, uh, but I'm happy to do it. Um, so we heard your last name. We heard you're the Reeves, um, but who are you? So tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us your name, um, where you serve as an international ministry global servant, um, and even a little bit about each of your ministries, because I know that you each kind of have your own little specialties. Um, so tell us about you. Who are you? What do you do? My name is J.D. Reed, and um, uh, my, my wife Rhonda and I are um, global servants living in Santa Cruz, Bolivia in South America, um, and uh, we work primarily with um, the foundation Proyecto de Esperanza, which in English is Project of Hope Foundation, uh, that is based in Cochabamba, and um, and we do most of our work there, and, and we'll um, let you, Ron will tell you a little bit more about that here in a minute. I also have an additional portfolio in a sense in that I'm a regional consultant for theological education in, um, in the region of Ibero-America and the Caribbean. And I work in a um, traveling master's program, I guess you could call it, that is uh, remote and is all through the Americas, North, South, and Central America with cohorts and students all over. And so... We have a lot of, uh, of of work and a lot of ground to cover, but uh, we're very thankful to, to be doing that with IM in Bolivia. Um, I'm Rhonda Reed, and I just I just focus in Bolivia, and so JD and I are the administrators of the Project of Hope Foundation in Bolivia, and so my, our job is um, just sitting behind a computer and doing the administration, the day-to-day -day workings of the of the foundation, working with the directors that are Bolivian and all the team and ministry leaders that are Bolivian under us, working with the lawyer and the accountant. So just, just administrative duties, but that that's my main role. And we still have one child still at home. We have two daughters that are graduating from college this year uh, in a couple of weeks and then in July. But so I'm still still have mom duties too. That's wonderful. And so rich, the diversity of your ministries in Bolivia and, and in the region. I'm curious, and I'm sure the, the listeners will, are curious as well. JD, if you can share a little bit more about um, that master's traveling program that you were talking about. Um, sure, glad to. Uh, the, it's um, a master's of theological studies 
through Palmer Seminary, and uh, it is done completely online and completely in Spanish and Portuguese. And so that gives us the ability to have students and cohort groups uh, all throughout the region of the Americas. Uh, we have students, uh, we've had students as far north as Billings, Montana. Uh, actually, uh, we have a, a student who just graduated and moved to Toronto. And so now we're a little farther north than that. Uh, and we have students as far south as Concepcion, Chile, which is uh, very close to the Patagonia region of Chile and Argentina, almost in the at the South Pole, very close to the South Pole. And we now have uh, a missionary from Brazil who is um, working and living with his family in Senegal in Africa. And so we, we're now uh, all throughout the regions uh, of, of the Americas as well as now expanding into Africa. And basically it's a two years ma two year master's degree that uh, Master of Theological Studies in Latino and Latina Ministries, uh, so that they might be able not only to do the ministries they do better, uh, but also to be able to train leaders in their local context for uh, generations to come, hopefully, um, and then develop their own personal sense of faith in that time as well. Wonderful. Oh, wow. It just, you know, but plants more ideas in our head and how we can reach virtually um, uh, for both. Thank you, thank you. And and Rhonda, having uh, one child still at home, do, is it homeschooling that you're involved with? Because um, I know a lot of our global servants and missionaries tend to do the homeschooling versus um, international schools or anything like that. Our kids all went to a international school in Santa Cruz. Um, there is one year when Nathan, he's a sophomore this year, when he was in eighth grade, that they just didn't have enough teachers that we kept him home. And we're on U.S. assignment this year, so he's doing homeschool this year. The, it's still up in the air whether his school will be open next year because of COVID. Okay. So if that's the case, he'll be homeschooled again. Yeah. Thank you. Wow. So COVID really um, stopped a lot of things for us as well. You know, short-term mission, we had to take a pause. Uh, but I know that uh, before COVID, a lot of teams came to visit and um, from different parts of the United States, but mostly uh, West Virginia. Um, so if you don't mind sharing with our listeners, what was that like? What does it mean to be a host um, and welcome teams? And what is it like for even our partners um, to, to host teams of volunteers. Uh, and please don't spare. Give us the, the headaches, the joys, the challenges, uh, and the in-between. One thing about the foundation, uh, the, our, our main director, Carmen, so it's Richard and Carmen, they're, they're a couple. Uh, they are amazing hosts. And so they make having teams very easy on us. And we, before, before, you know, the pandemic hit, we had a lot of teams every year, um, 10, 11 teams a year. Some of those would be really small teams. Um, we did limit our number because we're really fo more focused on relationships with short-term teams. Uh, that's the, you know, the, the foundation of the, the mission is just building relationships with the people in Bolivia. And one thing about our short-term teams is they return. So we, we had 
it's we have repeaters and so that's why we had so many teams every year um teams are exhausting uh they they take so much planning and working with them before they come and uh while they're there and it is it is exhausting but it is such an encouragement it's an encouragement for me just to see how much of an encouragement it is for Carmen and Richard. And then, you know, the House of Hope is working in 16 communities around the city of Cochabamba right, right now. And they're just, whatever community or communities that those teams work in, there's such an encouragement to the leadership in those communities. And so that, that makes it worth it. Uh, one of the, I mean, uh, one of the other joys that go along with goes along with that is um, the way we run teams is we ask generally if we have a team coming we're having a project at a church for say per se mm -hmm. and so we we find out months in advance the number of people that are coming uh, as they're working on you know raising their support and all those things and one of the things that we ask of the church that they're working with is that they have an equal number of people there to work with them um, because we would rather them make a lasting relationship than finish a project as a matter of fact the first thing we tell teams when they get to bolivia is you will not finish your project this week and we don't plan for you to we didn't have that intention our intention is for you to get to know these folks and to share in in the love of christ with them and the joy that you have just to being together and forming relationships um, and so um, that's part of the reason that, like Rhonda said, that a lot of folks come back and we get a lot of emails from people. And when we're going and traveling in churches, asking about specific leaders and specific congregations and how they're doing and because, you know, they haven't been able to get back and see them. And so, uh, that is a, a great joy of it. One of the challenges though, um, uh, is a lot of times when people have never been to, to be with us, um, as it is with a lot of teams, they come expecting to be bringing everything mm -hmm. and and one of the joys that comes with that challenge is usually about Wednesday they realize that they're learning as much as they're teaching mm -hmm. and um, sometimes oftentimes you hear phrases like we, we thought we were coming to perform a service but yet we were actually uh, God brought us here so that we would learn how to do what we do better so mm -hmm. it's a challenge but it's also usually ends up in a joy as well and we make it abundantly clear like that we we are not in charge the team is not in charge richard and the the leader of that community run run the mission team and so what they says what they say sorry bad english what they say goes and uh, we do it their way and we follow their lead <laughs> thank you that can be a real challenge for people sometimes yeah. uh, to, to not do it the way they're used to doing it mm -hmm. but um, yeah it sounds really to truly be stretched out of their comfort zone and to have somebody who may not even look like them or and in a different language that their um heart language is um to be the ones in charge and facilitating and leading so i'm sure you must have some amazing stories um of transformation as well as the good or the bad uh, but I love the idea. You just spoke to my heart with that relationship building and that you will not 
finish a project. Because a lot of our, our teams, you know, US-based teams, we are doers, we are action-oriented. And, um, and for STM, as you know, we love to prepare the teams beforehand and saying, you're gonna be stretched, but the, you are exercising the ministry of presence, which means relationship building. Um, so awesome. Thank you, thank you, thank you for saying that. Um, anything else that you feel you wanna add? Because I didn't want to cut you off, Brownda or JD. That's fine. Um, in, in the past, uh, we we this we just ended our second term. We're on our second U.S. assignment. Um, one of the big parts of the foundation are our mobile medical and dental clinics that go into the communities, all staffed by Bolivian doctors and dentists that volunteer their time on the weekends, obviously pre-COVID. Um, and we, we used to have uh, medical teams come down and it's, it's occasional, but not very common anymore because we have so many volunteer um, Bolivians ministering to their own people. And so now it's more, um, we, had a, we had a retreat planned uh, um, had to cancel because of COVID of doctors and dentists and ministers coming down to kind of do a renewal retreat with our, with our doctors and dentists and then teach them some, you know, newer, newer techniques. And so that, that is hopefully in the future, mm -hmm. a focus for that part of the ministry that has not been, um, has not been ministered to. In, in the past. So um, that whole sending, I think sending medical teams is very important, mm -hmm. but we also need to empower mm -hmm. professionals of the country we're serving in. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, we do. And we can learn a lot from that. So I think I love your model of, um, and for us to really lift up and affirm um, and for us to just come, USO outsiders and the volunteers to come and learn. So to truly shadow and come alongside, but be taught um, and not feel like you're coming to dictate or, um, but to receive. Um, so I'm, you know, we're gonna pray that, um, though that we can explore more um, and be able to, to lift that and those opportunities of, short term to, to go and learn what the medical clinic from the Bolivians and from that particular community can, can teach us, can teach the volunteers, um, maybe a, a particular internship even to be developed and be more of a learning capacity. So, so let's, let's give another, one more plug for it. Um, we have had, um, we have had some like medical interns and some dental hygienist interns in the past. And you know, they they live at the live at the foundation house and help in the mobile clinics. But what is so great um, is you know we have so many volunteer doctors and dentists that they have just taken, you know, these young people under their under their wings and just take them to work with them at the Bolivian hospitals and their private dental clinics. And so they get to see, you know, 
it's done a different way, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. And expose them to something outside of the America model. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the idea of internship, we actually had a, uh, one girl who was in her sophomore year in college, I think, but going on uh, at that time thinking she was going to go on to be an MD. And she came down and spent a month uh, at the house and <clears throat> she got to see what Rhonda was saying. She got to see clinics and she got to go into the hospitals and, and speak, uh, well, as, as much as she could with people there. But she also got to see the reality of what living abroad and living in a mission setting really is. Sometimes people have this romantic notion about what it is to be working in another country. And, and you don't really get to see the reality of it in a one-week trip. But in, a, in an internship where you're there four weeks or six weeks where you really get to see what life is like, it helps you to get an idea of, of who you are in that setting and, and how you function. She's actually gone on and uh, gone to school, but she's in occupational therapy now instead. Uh, she switched it around a little bit because she felt like that was the way, a, a lesson that she learned by being with us uh, in that time. And so uh, it's, it's a refining time as well for a lot of folks who come to do internships. So if you have a chance to do it, do it. It's a great opportunity. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. One more thing. I I received uh, my call to missions from doing an internship right outside of nursing school. And I interned with um, soon to be retiring International Ministries missionary Kim Brown in Thailand before we got married. And so it, it was life-changing for me. Yeah, it sounds that way. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your story. That is, and I just feel like we have, we, you know, we're, we've been thrown into this um, new way of understanding living mission um, and the reality and the affirmation or that God is already there. How are we noticing God differently? Um, how are we opening our hearts differently? So, so thank you. Thank you so much. And I throw it back to Nicole, Minister Nicole. Thank you. Um, my, my next question actually kind of draws off of that with things changing um, and things being adapted. Um, as you all know, we're in a, in a global pandemic, um, which has changed a lot of the ways that we do a lot of things. Um, things are more online now, you know, gathering is still, um, you know, cautious, things like that. Travel isn't you know, what it used to be. Um, so do you feel as a result of the pandemic, as, as a result of COVID-19, um, that the short-term mission movement or people coming and doing short-term missions um, will be changed um, after the pandemic? Or do you feel that it will kind of go back to being the same once travel is opened back up? Um, or how do, you, how do you see it working? Since you host teams and things like that, how do you envision things will um, evolve um, and be redirected when things have, hopefully when things settle down from COVID? That's the million dollar question, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. um, I, I'd like to meet somebody who has an answer to that. <laughs> uh, you know, obviously, all of our, even before we came back for U.S. assignment, we, the country had been in political unrest. And so we had canceled short-term teams because of that fall of 2019 on, and then the pandemic hit. 
And so, you know, more teams canceled and we had internships canceled. Um, and to be honest, I don't know when we'll be able to have short-term teams again. You know, Bolivia has had wave after wave after wave of COVID. And, you know, there's the whole, there's the whole just trying to support our directors and our leaders and their ministries. And they just can't, I mean, I would never ask them to have a short-term team, um, you know, at this time, there's, they're, they're just carrying so much and they've all lost family. Every single one of them has lost a family member, at least one, some more than one. And so the trauma that they're, that they're dealing with too, not let alone their ministries, their jobs, just all of it. I, I just don't, I don't know when we'll be able to have teams again and just the whole, the whole medical part too. The clinics, they call their hospitals clinics, are just overrun. And you couldn't get, I mean, if something, you know, we've had some bad things happen to um, short-term team members. Um, Those injuries. Yeah, and injuries and, and typhoid and things like that. And, and there's just no guarantee we could get them medical care for other things besides COVID at this mm -hmm. time. So I... I don't, I don't have an answer to that question. <laughs> Just yeah. being honest, I don't know. Right. I don't know what it looks like in the future. Um, <laughs> we, there's no way to know exactly how it's going to change. But uh, just like Ron said, I think it will change uh, just because of the availability of medical care. And, you know, when you get into a country. Um, and I also think that it's, it's going to be challenging to know what to do when you get there. One of the things that has, in a sense, maybe will be a silver lining in this is that um, sometimes one of the challenges that happens with short-term teams is, is, is the people who receive them can, the danger is they can become a little bit dependent upon them. And so uh, one of the things is that this time has, hopefully will continue to help the local folks see is that they have abilities and capabilities uh, that they can bring to the table and they can do. And they've been, especially in Bolivia, they've been in the midst of the pandemic, extremely innovative in how they do ministry. And so uh, we're hoping that I'm hoping that that continues in, in, uh, in the coming days. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you guys. I wish we, could have someone just answer that question. Um, it would make so many more lives <laughs> so much easier for all the global servants, um, for us at IEM to be able to know when we could start sending people because we have people that are really excited about going um, and working. And, you know, we've got our virtual um, platform at STM now, um, but there's still just that element of seeing someone in person um, that we all miss um, and that we're longing to get back into. Um, but thank you for your honesty, um, for saying, I don't know. Um, that's just as valued as if you would have had an answer or tried to give an answer. Um, so my last question for you, um, as we wrap up today, um, is what would be your advice um, for a global, a global servant um, who is desiring to host a team? Um, and then what would be your advice um, for partners wanting to host teams um, as well? 
for me, I think uh, the first advice I would have for a global servant who's preparing to host a team is you need to do a lot of setup work. Um, you can't just assume that the people who are receiving know what it means to host a team. And you can't assume that the people who are coming have any idea what it means to be on a team. And so you have to do a lot of work on both sides ahead of time uh, to train and equip and prepare people for the reality of what they're going to be involved in. Um, and to help them to, uh, lack of a better way to say it is answer their questions before they ask them. Um, and that takes a lot of work in the, in the planning and the setup and, and making sure that they uh, have all their documents in order and all those kind of things. Um, just be re what my suggestion would be is re be really diligent and organized on the front end and you'll end up having a very good um, team on the back end, I think. Um, for a host, um, one of the things that I would, if I was talking to our partner in Bolivia, one of the things I would say is your job is not to cater to a team that you're not their servants, you're their partners. And so you should not treat them like Kings and Queens. You should treat them normally and be honest with them about what it means to be a, a part of a ministry here because they need to hear, like you say, the good and the bad. And so uh, that's one of the things that we have to work really hard with our teams on and with the folks at the foundation is to realize that um, you need to take care of them, but you don't need to serve them in a sense. You don't, you're not their servant, you're, you're their partner. That's what I would say. I don't have anything to add to that. I think he covered it pretty well. Like that. <laughs> well, we both thank you for today. And listeners, um, I know you have received beautiful nuggets. And as we um, think more and reflect about how God might be nudging you to serve here and there and in between, the phrase that comes back to, uh, to my heart is, how do we care and not serve? How do we care and not be served? What are the expectations that we go on the field with? So we leave you with that. Bridges for mission until next time. We thank you for listening to Bridges for Mission. You can find more information about the short-term mission office at internationalministries.org. Also, don't forget to get a hold of the new leader's guide entitled Short-Term Mission Team Essentials Together on the Journey. Uh, you can find this on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Book Baby, and that we are so glad that you joined us today. So thank you for all the subscribers and from listening from all continents. Thank you and have a good one.